first and foremost, we just love the diversity. You have a blessed church. I just want you to know that. Please don't ever take that for granted. Yeah, that's worth clapping for. Jared and I have always found ourselves in urban and, and intercultural um, context, and, and that's a huge blessing um, when all the nations come together to praise God. So my name is Danielle, my husband Jared. You're going to hear from him in a moment. He's going to give you some more details kind of about our call and your role as the local church in mission. So we're honored to be with you. Thank you, Rennie. Thank you, team, for having us and um, just helping us all along the way. Just briefly, a little bit about us. Uh, Jared and I met in Bible college, and after Bible college, we were youth pastors for about six years in Dorchester, Massachusetts. After that, we left there and traveled to the state of Arkansas, and we were youth, uh, we were uh, house parents, rather, at a children's home for kids who were abused, abandoned, needed to be removed from their home for a period of time. Uh, we transitioned from Arkansas back to Massachusetts, where I worked as a crisis uh, family counselor for several years, and my husband has worked as a youth life coach. Uh, working with at-risk families. And so you're going to hear our story, but God will take every part of your season, all the different parts and seasons of your life, whether they make sense or not, and that he will use them for, your, for his glory if you surrender to him. And so that is part of our story. We pray that's part of your story as well. So I want to just share briefly with you uh, why two people from Massachusetts with decent jobs and, you know, pretty comfortable life, why do two people from that kind of background even need to go to Romania? Why? Why is there even a need? And so I'm going to give you a little bit of a history lesson this morning, or I'm going to say morning. I know it's afternoon. Just forgive me. <laughs> when you speak all the time in the mo- morning, it just rolls off your tongue. It could be 12 o'clock at night, and I'm going to say, you know. So anyways, um, so let me give you a little bit of a history lesson just to help you understand and have a context for why we even need to go to Romania. Now, when, when we go to churches, I like to express the why because we're coming to you and we're asking you for a sacrifice. We're asking you for an investment in us in prayer and in finances. We want you to understand the why behind that. And so I'm going to give a little bit of a history and context for you of Romania. Um, Some of you may or may not know, but in the 70s and 80s in Romania, a communist dictator named Nicolae Ceausescu came into power. And he was a man who had world domination in mind. Um, He was not content just to rule and reign over Romania. He wanted to take over all of Europe and eventually all of the world. And so he instituted several policies in the country to ensure that that would happen. And one of them was that he wanted to bolster the population of Romania. So when he came into power, all forms of birth control, contraceptions, abortions were banned and made illegal. There was something called a celibacy tax, where if you were a woman of childbearing age in Romania and you had not had any children, you paid taxes at a higher rate because you were considered to not be doing your civic duty for your nation. Can you imagine that? So you're like, you know, 20-something years old, you don't have kids yet, you're paying taxes at a higher rate than those that did. There were a lot of kind of unspoken policies as well. There would be a lot of favoritism given to families that had more than five children. So say, for example, you were a man, you showed up to a construction site, you're applying for a job. If you could produce more birth certificates than the guy next to you, you were more likely to get the job. Um, And it's because it was considered part of your civic duty as a citizen of Romania to populate this country so that we can eventually take over the world. What happened was, 
Uh, at the same time that we're building up the, um, the population, Ceausescu is exporting all of Romania's natural goods. Romania is a rich agricultural country. And so he, he did this to increase wealth. Well, what happens when you're exporting all of your goods and increasing your population significantly? Massive food shortages, massive poverty. And so what happened was many families could not care adequately for the unexpected number of children they had in their families. And so the government said, if you cannot raise them and care for them, give them to us. They're essentially just a commodity and a property of the state of Romania anyways. We'll do a better job of raising them. We will take care of them. And so what happened was an image like you'll see here. Orphanages became absolutely overcrowded and overwhelmed. Very little resources, very few caretakers, and lots and lots of children. It led to hundreds of thousands of kids being abandoned at state-run orphanages. So in images like you've just seen were very common. Multiple babies in one crib, multiple kids kind of cramped together in small rooms with not a lot of food and very little caretaking. If you were to even just Google some of the images, you would think that you were looking at images like from the Holocaust, even though this was only you know, 30, 40 years ago. Well, eventually in 1989, the people had enough. They had enough of the dictator and his wife. They started a revolution in December of 1989. We're actually coming close to their equivalent of the 4th of July. And so there's some images here of the revolution. Uh, the dictator and his wife escaped the capital city, fled to another city. Um, the people found them and actually executed both Nikolai Ceausescu and his wife, Elena, on public television for everyone to see. They were so hated. They wanted the entire nation to see their demise. So that was back in the 1980s and 1990s. You flash forward to today in 2018, and things have absolutely significantly improved. Uh, you're not going to find images of children in, in institutions like that today. Lots of things have changed. But if you know anything about post-communist countries... You can have a revolution and you can overthrow your dictatorship, but that's not a quick bounce back. You don't just kind of quickly bounce back. It's not like one day you're communist and the next day you're this free democratic society. And so years of rehabilitation has taken Romania, or it has taken Romania years to rehab those situations. So many children still remain at risk of, of abandonment even though the, most of the, the orphanages are closed. Things like lack of employment, low wages, and extreme government corruption kind of keep Romania choked. And so things have improved, uh, but they're not improving um, the, as fast as, as really many uh, Romanians would have wanted. So what's happening now, you have less and less children abandoned at an orphanage or a hospital level, but you have what the Romanians are now calling this new generation of orphans. Parents who are seeking better financial opportunities have to leave Romania. You can't find a decent paying job in Romania to support you and your family. And so many of these parents, maybe one or both, will go to Western European countries where wages are better. So they will go and work in Italy or Germany or in England, and they're leaving from anywhere between six to nine months out of the year. Leaving their children maybe in the care of a neighbor, um, an older sibling, a grandparent or a relative, down the street. And the government estimates that that's about 300,000 kids that are being left without moms and dads consistently through the year. They're left in the care of others. And it really is kids being raised without moms and dads. It really is a new generation of orphans. 
For Jared and I, that's just an injustice that we can't sit by and idly watch. There are towns and villages in Romania full of no one of working age. It is all children or the elderly because they've all left in droves to work somewhere else and send money home. These kids are vulnerable. They're left at the risk of exploitation. They're left at the risk of having inconsistencies in their education. I mean, imagine a 10-year-old child being left in the care of a neighbor down the street having a medical emergency. These are kids who are very, very vulnerable. So for Jared and I, we can't just sit by and watch that happen. We feel that God has given us a mandate. It's kind of like a stamp he's put on our hearts and the calling that he's given us. And that is this fundamental truth, this biblical truth, that every child deserves a family. Every child deserves to grow up in a family, whether that's outside of the four walls of a cold orphanage or institution or being left behind in your own home while your parents are away six to nine months. Uh, We're going to go and we're going to partner with a ministry called Touched Romania. Touched Romania owns a home um, called Casa Agar. Casa Agar is a place where women can come from three months to six months, maybe a year, um, and address the core issues that face a family. So essentially, if we just did orphanage work when we got to Romania, we'd never actually be dealing with the root of the problem. The issue is that there's a breakdown in the family most mothers you meet do not want to be separated from their children. So what what is the reason a mom would even have to question that? Well, Casa Agar exists to answer those questions and solve those problems. And so we holistically address the needs of a mom and and, and determine what is it that will potentially uh, separate this family. Is it lack of employment? Is it lack of education? Maybe it's a mom who grew up in an orphanage herself when she was younger and just kind of lacks basic life skills. They need parenting or counseling and um, employment options. And so that's what Casa Agar exists for. It's a residential home where women can come and during the time that they stay with us, we create these pathways towards success and independent living through job training, education programs, counseling, education classes, all within a love and warming home environment. So we have a couple of pictures um, of the moms. There's, there's a former resident, Taya, and her son, Albert. Taya was a teen mom and needed a place to stay. She couldn't stay with her parents once she became pregnant. And the next one... These are my favorites. This is on one of the trips I went on. This is Monica and Peter. Monica grew up in one of those orphanages as one of those thousands of kind of nameless kids um, in an orphanage. When she aged out, she became pregnant very quickly and was in a relationship with a controlling man and was pregnant. Um, Had Peter. Peter was born with developmental delays. Somewhere along her journey, someone told her about Casa Agar, where she was able to leave that that violent and domineering man, uh, where she was able to fill in some of those life skills gaps that she had from being institutionalized, and where Peter could get the equivalent of early intervention services so that he could start hitting his developmental milestones. He kind of wasn't walking and talking um, when he should have been. And so Monica and Peter are exactly why we go to Romania, because there's a lot more of them out there. There are a lot more Monicas and a lot more Peters that need a place like Casa Agar to find a home and to find a future. But the second thing that God has really stamped on our hearts as part of our calling is this other fundamental truth that every soul needs a savior. So we believe every child needs a family. We need to address the social needs, the emotional needs of, of, of families. But if we ignored their soul, we're missing out on the biggest component of the picture here. Uh, Romania is an interesting country in that 80 to 90% of the country are Eastern Orthodox, either nominally or actively um, 
practicing. So that's a big part of the country, 80 to 90 percent. And within Orthodox faith, grace is something that you have to earn. You have to work hard enough to be in right standing with God. You have to honor the sacraments. You have to do good deeds. You have to give money to the church and just in general avoid all the things that are evil and do all of the things that are good. However, there's no assurance at the end of the day and on your deathbed that you've actually worked hard enough to be accepted by God. So therefore, you will go, you'll work your whole life never knowing whether or not you were good enough to go to heaven or hell. That puts man at the center of salvation. That puts man's personal ability um, at the center of whether or not we're loved and accepted and have access to the kingdom of God. But we're going to go to Romania because we want to put Christ back at the center of salvation. To let the Romanian people know that it is through no merit or effort of their own, they can't work their way into salvation, that it is God's gift, his gift to us in Jesus Christ, that his grace, his love, and his mercy are given to us unmerited, that it is through nothing that we can do on our own. We want them to know that there's a loving and a relational God that pursues us with tenderness and relentlessness. So those are the reasons we go to Romania, because every child deserves a family, because every soul needs a savior. We love Romania very deeply. We believe it is kind of an underdog place, that God likes to take these unlikely people from unlikely places and do extraordinary things with them. And we're just excited to partner with what we believe God is already doing. We already believe he loves Romania and that his eye is on Romania. And so we are humble to go as partners with him and what he is doing there. My husband's going to come in a moment, but at the end of service, one of us will be at the back table. We're also going to be staying uh, by for lunch. We love talking about Romania. If you have any questions or anything you want to get to know us a little bit more, we have prayer cards as well. We encourage you to take those. Stick them in your Bible. Stick them on your mirror. Stick them in your car. Um, We covet your prayers. We need to be surrounded by the presence of God as we continue our fundraising here and as we transition to Romania. Thank you very much. I feel like <clears throat> she probably thinks this gets really old every time, but everyone I meet needs to know I married up. I married up, and you'll uh, as we share a little bit more about our hearts here, um, you'll you'll understand why. Um, first and foremost, as uh, before, in a second, I'm gonna dive into God's word. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to James chapter one, or uh, maybe open your Bible app and open up to James chapter one. I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. Um, but got a shout out to uh, the media guys. Those are my people. I'm a media, a media guy, media director. I've been doing media since I was a teenager in the past who recruited me to run the soundboard. And I just looked at all the buttons and I was like, cool. So it worked out really well. And actually worshiping in this, in this space is amazing. The audio is amazing. I mean, it's just, it's just a, a really cool experience this morning. Uh, So I wanted to shout out to the media guys, the sound techs. Well done, gentlemen. Uh, So this morning we're going to dive right in. You heard Danielle tell you the reason why we're going to Romania and and, and why God has called us and and what he has called us to do. But I want to share a little bit for the the final moments together. I want to share a little bit about the how. How is it that we made our way to Romania? What was the journey that God called us on? And and how uh, does God want you to, to, to follow the call, follow the mandate that he has for you. So I want to encourage you as we dive in to be thinking about finding your mandate, finding the specific calling 
that God has for you as an individual, for glad tidings as a church, and for those around you. So let's think about that thought this morning about finding your mandate, finding the calling God has specifically designed for you. And so our journey to Romania is unique. Uh, Danielle, when she was 15 years old, a missionary came to her church, shared about the orphans, shared about the kids who were running away from the orphanages and running into the sewers and basically starting whole communities underground in this post-communist country of Romania. And when she saw the pictures and heard what the missionary was doing, she was moved. And, it, and, and this call and this compassion for the country of Romania was planted inside of her heart. She researched, she watched documentaries, she learned more and more about the country, and she begged her parents to let her go on a missions trip. Well, she was a little too young for them, so they weren't comfortable with doing that. So when she got to college, she was able to go. And between her sophomore and freshman year, or freshman sophomore year, she ended up going to Romania on her first uh, short-term missions trip. She then returned uh, three more times. So she'd been to Romania four times on short-term missions trips. Now, the entire time she went to Romania, we were either dating, engaged, or married. And so obviously I was there, I was praying, I was supportive, I was excited that she was able to pursue this calling, pursue this passion that God had laid on her, but that was not my calling, and that was not my passion. So I was like, you know what, yeah, you go to Romania, have a good time, help out the Romanian people, I'll pray from my comfortable chair here in America, and I will follow the call that God has placed on my heart. When I was 19 years old, God called me to ministry. And for me, uh, being a pastor's kid and growing up in church all my life, I basically thought that was just going to be the the classic kind of pattern of leadership or, or, or pastoral ministry within the church, which is you go to Bible college, you graduate Bible college, you become a youth pastor or an associate pastor, you do that for a certain amount of years, and then you eventually transition into like a senior pastor role or a, or a lead pastor role. Now, obviously, there's a lot of men and women who follow that path, and that's not uh, in, in any way the wrong path. If that's the path that God's called them to, that's absolutely the way that they should go. And I thought, for me, that was the way that God was going to lead me. And so Danielle would go to Romania, and I'd say, you know what? Have fun. I'll pray. Go to Romania. I love it. Never thought in a million years that I would leave the United States. So two years ago, we celebrated our 10-year anniversary. And we had always promised each other that at our 10-year anniversary, we would return to Hawaii. That's where we first honeymooned, and that's where we wanted to return to celebrate 10 years of marriage. Well, instead of that, knowing that Danielle's uh, heart was for Romania and that she wanted uh, me to go to her to re- go with her to Romania, because every time she came back, she would say, Jared, please come with me. Please come back the next time I go. I want you to see the people that I love, meet the people, uh, learn the culture, learn the land, and, and just connect with what I've connected with. And again, I was obviously hesitant and resistant, but two years ago, <clears throat> instead of going to Hawaii, I saved up a little bit more money, and I took her to Romania instead, because that's where she wanted to go, and that was where her heart was. And around that time, um, I had begun to pray what was next for me, because I've been working at the job that I'm at now, and I had become a little dissatisfied, because if you recall, God called me to ministry, and I wasn't currently doing any major ministry. I wasn't necessarily following the call that God had placed on my heart. And so there was this dissatisfaction that had begun to rise up in me. So I'd been praying about what was next. So we went to Romania. We were there for about a week. We visited the ministry you just heard about, touched Romania. We talked with the leadership. We went to the local church. And there was a period of time we actually, for a few hours, we went to one of the local baby hospitals. And while we were there, we helped care for some of the little babies at the hospital. The children in the hospitals now who are being left in the hospitals are children with 
developmental issues. So they've been left because they have physical impairments or they're disabled. And so those are the children that we cared for. We held them. We gave them their basic medical needs. And we just touched them and loved them for a little bit of time. And it was in that moment that God showed me that was where we needed to be. It was in that moment where I was caring for those little babies that I really felt like I was the hands and feet of Jesus. And I was there caring for them. And I was doing the call that he had placed upon my life. And so it was at that point we had decided that it was time to go to Romania. It was time to to come and serve and to care for these people. And so I want to encourage you this morning, as you think about this idea of finding your mandate, finding the specific calling that God has for you, I want you to understand that the journey that you've come along, the journey that God has taken you through, the experiences that you've been through, both the good and the bad, they are all a part of the journey toward the calling that God wants to use you in. The calling that God has for your life. The mandate he's placed upon you to serve him and to live for him. And so I think it's very key. Like I look back at the different situations that me and my wife have have been through individually and and, and married. I see the ups and the downs, some some of the hurt and the pain. All of it has led us to this moment where God is setting us up to go to Romania, to be effective, and to follow the call that he has placed upon our heart. That's the plan of God for us. When it comes to finding our mandate, finding the call that he has for us, it's the plan that his plan is to use every experience that we've had to shape us, to walk in the calling he has for us. And so, just want to look at two things this morning real quickly as we dive in. First, is how do we discover the mandate? How do we discover the call that God has upon our hearts for us specifically? The first thing is you have to know God's word. You've got to be reading the Bible. You've got to be diving into scripture and understanding the heart of who God truly is. There's a lot of stories in the Bible that that tell us about these different leaders and different men and women who heard the voice of God very specifically speak to them and show them, what he wanted them to do, show them their calling and their mandate. And for us sometimes, I think as believers, we read these stories and we, we wonder, we imagine, could God do that? Could God audibly speak to us and show us the way? Absolutely. I believe in our prayer times and our worship, God can speak to us and show us the way. But we have to remember too that all those heroes of the faith, they didn't have an 1,100-page Bible that is the very Word of God. It's His living Word. And so when we're stuck and we don't know where to go or, or, or what direction to take, instead of just crying out and saying, God, what's next? What do I do? Got to crack open the pages of the Word of God and begin to read the Scripture. That is the Word of God. And He wants to show you specifically in His Word what He has for you and the mandate He's called you to do. It's important when we're discovering the call of God upon, of our, upon our lives to know His Word. We have to be asking. We have to ask the question, What does God want me to do? You have to get personal with it. You have to be specific with it. Because God has designed you very unique. Every single person here has been created uniquely and differently. And that was the plan of God. He has given you specific talents. He's given you specific abilities and giftings. And so it's important for us as followers of Jesus as we are growing and seeking to go deeper with him, and trying to find that mandate upon our lives, we have to be asking the question, what is it that you want me 
to do, Lord? What is it you have gifted in me? What abilities have you given me so that I can follow your call? We have to understand what he has for us. God wants to reveal his specific purpose for you. You have been designed for a purpose. You've been designed for a plan. And he has a specific calling for each and every one of us. We have to look around. It's important to be looking around in our everyday lives to see what God's calling is. My mom is an incredible prayer warrior. I can guarantee you she prayed for us this morning. She prayed for the service this morning. She prayed that God's spirit would be here, that God would would bless you and bless Danielle and I as we shared. And when I was growing up and my faith was developing, I'd go to her a lot for questions. I'd be like, Mom, you know, when I ask God about certain things, why is it sometimes I don't feel like he answers me? And she would say, Jared, son, listen, sometimes we get a little bit too spiritual with things. We get a little bit too over the top in our spirituality. Sometimes we just need to center ourselves. We need to keep it simple. And we literally just need to look around us. We need to look at the world around us. What's happening around us? What's happening at our job? What's happening in our families? What's happening in our church, and our local community? And when we can take a, a moment to kind of slow down a little bit and look at the world around us, our world, the world that, that interacts with us on a regular basis, sometimes God's direction is right there. Sometimes God's direction is right in front of us. But we're looking beyond that. We're, we're, we're looking for God to just open up the curtain and, and open up the clouds and shine the bolt of light right where we want it. And God is just saying, you know what? Maybe it's important just to look in your family. What am I called you to do in your family? What have I called you to do right there at, my, at, at your workplace? What have I called you to do in your local community? It's important for us to be observing and to be looking around us as we seek God's call upon our lives. Lastly, how do we, uh, lastly, the final step in discovering our mandate is we need to be open to learning. So we have to be, dis- we have to be seeking discipleship and be willing to grow. We have to humble ourselves and place ourselves under veterans of the faith, leaders of the faith, who can teach us and guide us in areas that we're still learning. We have to place ourselves under leaders. We have to find ourselves Christian mentors who can teach us and give us perspective in areas that maybe we, we just didn't see that angle or we didn't see that perspective. I know for me, in my journey with the Lord, this came from my youth pastor when I was growing up. My youth pastor was incredibly influential on me, and he helped me open my eyes to see the incredible love of Jesus. He, he helped me. Being, being in church all my life, I was caught up in some of the works, and, 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 and there was a little bit of shame and guilt around certain things I was struggling with as a kid. And he helped me understand grace and mercy and the love of Jesus Christ. And he invested in me. And I submitted myself to listening to what he had to say. And for each of us, as we are striving to grow and go to that next level in our, in our walk with him and find that calling he has upon us, it's important to place ourselves under leadership that wants to invest in you. Find a Bible study. Be a part of something bigger than yourself to be able to reveal to you what it is, where it is you need to grow and where it is you need to learn. The important thing about putting ourselves in an area where we learn and grow is it'll reveal the strengths that we have. It'll reveal the individual giftings that we have, but it'll also root out some of those weaknesses, some of those those barriers, some of those things that might be holding us back from going to the next level in our growth, our, never, our next level in our walk with him, might be holding us back from, from truly hearing the call upon us. 
So in discovering our mandate, it's important to know God's word. It's important to ask, what is it you want me to do, Lord? To understand his purpose for each and every one of us. To observe and look around us and to learn. To be open to mentors. To be open to the leadership and how they want to pour into your life and encourage you to grow. These are some of the keys to discovering the mandate and the calling that God has for you. I ask you to open up to James one twenty seven. James one twenty seven, one verse. It says this: pure and genuine, <clears throat> pure and genuine religion, genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress. This particular scripture is a mandate that you find in the Word of God. That is the mandate and the calling that God has placed upon Danielle and I. This is our scripture. This is our core scripture that 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 we follow and we've listened to to encourage us to walk in this calling to help out the Romanian people and the orphans of Romania. There's a group of people here, obviously listed in the scripture, the orphan and the widow. They're the marginalized. They're the people who need the support of the church. They're the people who need the support of those in the kingdom of heaven. And all throughout scripture, you will actually see that God's very heart is for the orphan and for the widow. And it speaks in different scriptures, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, how we are called as the church to serve this population, to serve this group of people. And so as I encourage you this morning to be thinking about your personal mandate, this right here is an example of a mandate that God has placed upon Danielle and I's heart, and we know that God has called us to a very specific place and a people. And this is the scriptural mandate that God has given us. So when we discover our mandate when we know that it's, it's, it's following the very word of God, we have to live out our mandate. You find it, you find your calling, you find what God has pulled you toward, you have to live in that calling. First and foremost, you have to recognize that when you know your calling, that God has given you the authority and the confidence to walk in that authority. If you look at the original definition of mandate, The idea is basically that it's a proclamation or a rule or a law that has been passed down by a leader, and it's a mandate. It is is basically a, a decree. And so the idea of a mandate and walking in the mandate God has called for you is now you can walk with the authority and confidence of God. He has placed that inside of you because he's given you a specific call. and He's given you a specific direction. And so now you can confidently walk in that authority and that confidence knowing that you're following the call of God upon your life. We must act upon it. If we don't act upon the mandate, if you know that God has called you, he's placed something on your heart to do, and you're not living it out, let me just give you a guarantee. God is going to chase you. He's going to place things in your way. He's going to allow things to happen to redirect you back to the calling that he's placed upon your life. If you know scripture and you know the story of Jonah, it's a very, very basic and simple one. God told Jonah to go preach the gospel to a specific group of people. He said, nope, I don't like that group of people. I'm not going. And so he ran. And he got on a boat. And the boat hit a storm. He was thrown overboard, swallowed by a whale. Spent a couple days in the stomach of a whale, praying and reconnecting with God, and basically saying, God, I'm sorry. God spit him up on the shore, and he went, and he followed the calling that God had upon his life, which was to preach the gospel and preach repentance to this particular group of people. God will chase you. If you know God's call upon your heart, if you know this morning that God has called you to do something, stop resisting. It's time to act and walk in the call that God has for you. Lastly, as we live out 
the mandate that God has for us, and we walk in that calling he has for us. If he's called you to work in children's ministry, if he's called you to work with youth, if he's called you to work with a unique people group, your action is going to positively affect the whole body of Christ. I've already seen it in action this morning, getting here early this morning and connecting with your leaders and the different servants here in this church. They're acting in their call and they're walking in their call. And it's all the stuff happening behind the scenes to make this church run and to have a service ready to go. The individual action, following your individual mandate, will help the whole body of Christ here at the local church and around the world. So I just want to uh, invite the worship team back up as I wrap up this morning. The <clears throat> There's an individual mandate, once again, in the scripture that we can, we can read. It's in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And it says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witness, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This was Jesus speaking to his disciples and telling them, it's time now to go and share about me around the world. And that is obviously a mandate that we as followers of Jesus, we can follow right now. The minute this service ends and we walk out the door, we can begin to live and walk and share our faith. And so as we close this morning, I'm just going to challenge you with a few thoughts. So if you would just bow your head, close your eyes. First thing I want to challenge you with this morning to be thinking about and praying about right here, right now, is where are you in the journey? Where is your journey taking you? If you're new to following Jesus, I would encourage you to begin to ask Him, what is the call you have on my life? What is the mandate you have given me? If you're new to faith in Him, He wants to show you and He wants to direct you If you've been in church for many, many years, there's two thoughts I want to leave you with as we close. Is first, is are you walking in in God's calling? Maybe you've been serving Jesus for many, many years, or you've known the Lord for many, many years, and you know that calling, you know that mandate, you know what He has asked you to do, and yet you're still hesitant. Maybe you're a little resistant. Maybe you're pulling a Jared and saying, you know what, you guys can go do ministry over there. I'm going to stay here and be comfortable. This morning, I would encourage you to begin to walk in that authority and that confidence of the calling of God upon your life. That is what he has for you. The last thought I want you to think about and be reflecting and praying on here in this moment is if you are walking in God's call and if you are following what he's called you to do, be encouraged. That's where you're supposed to be. Don't allow the enemy or your flesh to get in the way and distract you. If you're serving right here in the church, if you're following the call that God has upon your life, be confident that that is what God has asked you to do. And as you serve him, he wants to bless you and continue to use you and continue to use the gifts that he's placed upon you this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity, these few moments with this church here and now to reflect upon your call and your mandate for each and every one of us. 
God, you've asked Danielle and I to go to the country of Romania to serve this at-risk group of people, the orphan and the widow. And God, I know there are individuals in this room who you have called to very specific things. There are some individuals who are scared. They're nervous. They don't know what that looks like. God, I pray that you will just fill them up with your peace and comfort and confidence that comes in following the mandate of Christ Jesus, following the mandate of our Lord and Savior. God, I want to pray a special blessing over those who are currently walking in their call and serving you faithfully. Bless them this morning. Give them a fresh touch from you. Give them a fresh renewal from you to continue to work in the area that you've called them to do. God, I just thank you right now. Bless Glad Tidings Church. Be with them today in your name. Amen.